is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'm excited as to what uh, God has for us this morning, having seen some of their notes as they've been preparing and praying. Very much looking forward to, to what God has for us. So I think we're going to look at a passage together first. Is that right? I'm looking at you guys. Do you know the answer to that question? We are. So Izzy, you're going to come and read to us, and uh, then Rupert and Paul and James, in that order, I think, are going to come and bring God's word to us. So I want us to open our hearts together. I want us to receive them well and receive what the Lord has for us this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay, Izzy. So this is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you, darling. Okay, good morning, Jubilee. John Piper delivered a series on the second letter of Peter, and he took two sermons to address these verses. And uh, we, as a trio, are going to do so in half an hour give or take. The verses naturally fall into the following categories. So the first two that I have are to do with the theological assertion, Paul's are exhortation, and James is to do with practical application and warning. So I'm going to have to hone in on several aspects. First, let's pray together. Father, we ask that grace and peace will be multiplied to us in the knowledge of you and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. So, this language that we see here in verses 3 and 4 that I'll be talking to you about today is eloquent, it's elaborate, it's beautiful language, but it's also foundational. Peter's second letter has all the traits of a style of writing known as a farewell discourse. And the reason for this is that he wrote it in AD 67, just before he was martyred. And he knew, uh, he'd been told uh, by Jesus that he would be that his his death was imminent. So it was his final chance to communicate to the followers of Jesus. 
David Pawson describes it as his last will and testament. So in a will, and without getting too morbid, and, and as well as with that oft-used film line, any last words, people say what matters. So this is Peter saying what matters. So we've got to listen. We've got to really hear what the Apostle Peter has to say. So, his divine power has granted us all things. From the outset, Peter is reminding us that it is God who is the source, that only he could do it, and it's not by human ability. As we read in the start of John's Gospel, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, it's from him, and only him, that he has granted all things. Peter saying that everything we have, uh, so that everything that we need to live the Christian life is available. It's been provided, it's been granted by God. So, we cannot be lacking, inadequate, or insufficient. We can't be. Closed. Except sometimes we feel that we are. I know I do, maybe I'm the only one in the room, but I, I think we all do from time to time. The reason is that there are two aspects to consider, that of position and of our experience. It might just be that our thinking is not aligned with the reality of our position. As a Christian, God saved us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, as it says in Colossians. So, whilst on the topic of beloved sons, Prince George is adored not just by his parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, but it would seem by the nation as a whole. As he grows up, he will grow, learn and discover the significance of his position, his family, and the benefits and implications for him. Nobody would expect him to appreciate those right now. Toddlers possess an abundance of cuteness, but seldom much self-awareness. His father, Prince William, on the other hand, comes across as secure in his position as a member of the royal family, an heir to the throne, having had sufficient experience to know that anything he has need of either has been or will be provided. Nonetheless, even he still has to go back to his monarch for a variety of different reasons. Some people here may experience their Christian walk in a similar way to George. You may have a love for your father, but do not yet appreciate the implications of your position. Others, like Prince William, will be more mature and aware that they belong to this heavenly family. For George to reach that point, he will have to increasingly turn to his father for his needs, present and future, just as William did before him and still does. Whether we relate to being spiritual toddlers, young in our faith, or maturing, there's no judgment either way. Obviously, you know, we're a family of, uh, of grace, and we're all at different stages in our relationship of knowing God. But the wonderful reality is that the father we turn to is the king of kings. He has the power to grant, and, and not just that, but he has granted. It's already done. So, moving on, we're going to look at, it says, through the knowledge of him. We looked at position. Our life, our position, 
is reached not by performing to impress, nor working hard to earn his favour. None of us could become part of the British royal family. Well, apart from marriage, and the odds are stacked against you somewhat. But we are part of the kingdom of heaven. We are royal children because he called us to his own glory and excellence. As we read in Ephesians, it is the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that you are saved, not by works so that anyone can boast. It's the grace of God that Peter is reminding Christians of here. This grace is demonstrated further as he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Now, he's used five words there to, to cover all of them. You know, if he were to mention them in full, he'd probably have needed a whole letter to do so. But we're going to look at a few of them now. So further on in the second letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 13, he writes, According to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are destined for more than this world that we see. There are also several promises of the Holy Spirit. For example, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And in in 1 John 2.25, the author writes, And this is the promise that he's made to us, eternal life. Jesus then expanded upon this in John's Gospel, chapter 17, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, when Graham Kendrick wrote the lines of that enduring worship song, Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing, he got it spot on. Because we know Jesus, we have eternal life. Because he called us to himself, because he granted us these precious and very great promises, we are partakers, that that means sharers, of his divine nature. Moving on, I'm going to sort of look at godliness and divine nature at the same time. So, we've seen that our life, our eternal position, is brought about by knowing Jesus, and we must remember that. Now, In terms of our experience, or you might say our behaviour, godliness, all of us from time to time may feel that we aren't all that we should be or that we don't behave in the ways that we feel we ought to as Christians. And how about divine nature? Are you feeling less than divine? Have you acted in a less than divine way this morning? Is that the word that your family would have used to describe you this morning? Well, the way to reacquire that, the way to reimmerse ourselves in this divine nature and, and, and walking in godliness is not to try harder or resolve to treat others better, but to continue in him. As it says in Colossians, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We must go back to the one who gave, as it says in Peter's letter here, who granted the precious and very great promises that enabled us to share in the divine nature in the first place. These verses are laced through with grace. It's through the knowledge of him. I'm not trying to impress him. It's through the knowledge of them, the promises, given, not earned. 
So that's the starting point. And it's also the restarting point. As I was preparing for today, I had lots of thoughts going in my head, but I felt really drawn to kind of focus on this section of promises. And I felt led to ask who here of us feels like they need a restart. I've, I've written down, none of, none of uh, Naomi or Sarah uh, knew that this was what's going to be saying. And so when they talked about refreshment, I've written down who needs to be refreshed in the promises of God. It's so encouraging when you feel in the worship time God's leading to this point. Perhaps they're promises that we may have let go of for whatever reason. You know, the God who blessed Abraham, I'll surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. The God who as it says in Timothy, richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Are you feeling like it's hard to trust God about his provision? Or maybe it's God's promise in John 14 that he's not going to abandon you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And just before that, he says, I will send a helper who will lead you into truth. So hopefully... We'll give people a chance to respond to God about this later on. To ask for the Spirit to come and to refresh you again as we heard in our worship time. But whenever it is that we feel the need to engage with God about something, whether we're coming to him on the basis of... uh, we, We must come to him on the basis of his promises, not on our performance. So when Peter, in the following verses, through our Paul and our James urge you to do a succession of actions, it all stems, it all flows from knowing him. We can, we can move on and see that it says that we have escaped, escaped from corruption. Nowadays, we are probably more familiar with the concept. We've probably heard people preaching about sin and, and how we must repent in it, and that's so true. And I just wonder if we're somewhat desensitized to this word corruption. Sadly, we're a bit too familiar with uh, hearing stories of some, not all, uh, corrupt politicians. The Greek word thora, pronunciation uncertain, uh, means to shrivel or spoil, to deprave and defile. So picture, if you will, food writhing with maggots. That's how Peter is describing the moral state of the world brought about by sin or by rebellion against God. Personally, I'd rather not have to mention corruption and sinful desire. In the context of these verses just before, it seems like a footnote. To my mind, the mere mention of them seems to taint the beauty and wonder of God's rescue of us. However, Peter knows better. And the gospel shines all the brighter. The rescue is all the more significant when we're reminded of what we have been liberated from. So, to conclude my part, let's return to the Prince George example. Imagine if he never grew up. In a novel, Peter Pan, this is portrayed as an exuberant, fantastical, wonderful experience. How bizarre, how utterly wrong it would be if George never grew up, never progressed, developed and matured. It would be wrong for his own sake. But also imagine the sadness that his parents would feel, not seeing their boy thrive and develop. 
not having the privilege of shaping and guiding, advising and correcting and praising him. The unique position we find ourselves in as Christians is that we can freeze our development in a sort of a Peter Pan-like way. I'm not saying we can utterly prevent God's work of conforming us to the likeness of his son, but we can certainly hinder it massively. If we don't do, as the Apostle Peter is going to ask us in the following verses from verse uh, 5 onwards, we're not going to grow up. And that's not Abba Father's will for us. The verse in Colossians that we looked at earlier continues, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. So I'll hand you over to Paul, who's going to show us how to do that. Yeah, so before I did this, or when I knew I was doing this, I took a couple of pieces of advice on board. Um, One was direct from somebody that knew I was doing this, and one was indirect. Um, The direct one was Natalie um, saying, oh, just do it like you do, just treat it like rooted. When you're talking to the kids about something, just do do that. I thought, oh, okay. Um, So in rooted, what we do with the kids is... um, Every time they come, they must, well, they mustn't, they, they're encouraged to bring their Bible along with them. Um, and if they do, they bring the hard copy Bible, then they get a, they get a treat. So, yeah, any, I've got, I've, I'm, I'm running, obviously, I've got, I'm against the clock, so, but I have got some treats with me. So if you've got a hard copy Bible, come see me later. Um, <laughs> And you can get you can get a treat. Um, phones aren't allowed because I think you know there's a, it's a bit of fun and it encourages the kids to bring it. But it's a serious thing. Is you know I've always got my phone with me. People that know me will know that it's virtually attached. Um, <coughs> and I always oh yeah I've got I've got my Bible with me. It's you know, right here. How many versions do you want? What do you you know? But there's something intentional about picking up God's word and bringing it with us. You know it's something we've got to remember. Um, the other bit of advice that I took on board was that um, recently in Life Group we had uh, Dave mention that um, when you preach you should, you should um, try to be yourself and not try to be anybody else and not try to preach in a certain way that you've seen others preach. And um, I've really been uh, clinging on to that passage or that, that word that Dave gave us, not passage, um, of being myself. Um, that's all I can do. So this is, this is me being myself. Um, showing my thoughts and some of the fears and battles that, that I face. Um, so yeah, so when I first got asked to do this, I, um, I tried to put it off. Um, I think I told Graham, no, I've never seen myself as a preacher. I don't want to do that. And um, Graham, being the, the wise leader that he is, just didn't, didn't respond at all, I think. Uh, and then later I got an email saying, right, um, this is it. You're doing that. Rupert's doing this and James is doing the other one. So it's kind of like, okay. Um, but I do that. I do that with a lot of things. I try and, I try and put it off. I try and get a reason to, to get out of it. I make an excuse. You know, I've never seen myself as a preacher, whether it's a one-off, occasional or otherwise. Um, you know, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. What if I mess it up? What if I fail? Um, and I've done that all my life. I've done it, you know, especially in church. I've uh, put obstacles in the way. Um, praying out loud, getting to the front in church. It took me years to, to come and share something from the front. Um, I used to always say to, to myself, or say to God, why me? Why have you chosen me to do this? Surely 
there must be somebody better qualified. Um, but just as we were worshipping before, I felt God speak to me, and I've scribbled in, I've put why me, and I've put it should really be why not me. You know, why can God not use us as, he, as he's planned to use us? Um, so, yeah. So, as you can probably tell, speaking is not my, uh, my forte or my strong point, I feel. Um, and recently, I got the privilege to be best man at my best friend's wedding. Um, I've known this guy since I was three, um, and he invited me to be his best man. And of course, with the best man comes a speech. Um, at my own wedding, um, I basically didn't have my wedding meal because I knew that after the meal I'd be getting up to say my speech. I was, I was literally felt sick. I couldn't have any of my food at all. Um, but everyone was saying to me, or my parents were saying to me especially, that when I was doing this best man speech, saying, oh, you'll be fine. You know, you'll be better than, than when it was your speech at your wedding because <laughs> <laughs> better, I'll feel better. Um, because, you know, and they said to me, oh, because you get up the front and, and you share stuff at church now, so you're more confident. And, um, you know, that, that, that's true, I guess. I've got, I have got more confident. But, um, you know, in the end, I did the speech and it was fine and it was good. Everybody said it was good. Um, but I feel as I knew my subject matter, which was my best friend, I knew really well. I had too much to talk about. Um, I could have gone on probably a lot longer than I did. Um, when somebody asked me to come and speak about a passage of the Bible, I don't feel that I have that confidence. Um, you see, I've not always had a great reading time of, of spending time in the Word. It's not always something that's been my strong point. I've, um, I've not always done, done the best that I can in that. You know, and I'm, I'm working on that, and, and you know, I'm going through the Bible in, read the Bible in one year, and this year, which I started, and, and that's going really well for me, and it's got me into a good routine, just as we try to get the kids rooted in a routine of bringing the Bibles along. Hopefully that'll stay with them. You know, if you get yourself in a good routine of, of um, spending a regular time reading God's Word, that will, that will help us. Um, so, just a question, does you know, to you all, have you ever been asked to do something or do you feel God's laying something on you but you find an excuse or a reason to to put that off and to to not do it Um, I just want to encourage you really, you know, you can do it Um, and and if God's you know, laid something on you that you feel you need to do then then I want to encourage you to to step out and do it and see where God will take you Um, Right, so I think that's enough about me I am actually meant to be looking at my section um, so I've got verses 5 to 7, um, so just three verses, so not too bad for the first time, I suppose. Um, so yes, yeah, so when I was first given this, the first thing I did was look at the passage, and I thought, hmm, great, it's, uh, it's just a list. And I'm just quickly going to read that passage, um, starting at verse 5. For this reason, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Okay, so maybe it's a bit more than a list, but it's, you get the idea. Um, so on initial reading, I didn't really have a clue what I was going to do with this. Um, and I probably put it down for a little while and, and didn't think about it too much. And after I finish, you might think, I've still not got a clue what, what to do with it. <laughs> first things first, I thought, I know, I'll look at some different translations of this passage that will give me some good ideas, give me some inspiration, and that's what good preachers do, right? They look at different translations. Um, well, that didn't really work out exactly as I planned. It was still the same, just some slightly different words. 
Um, so I thought nothing for it. Get stuck in and work through the passage line by line. Um, so the first one is verse 5. Um, and it says, for this reason, or this very reason, mentioned in verse 4 that, that Rupert's covered for us. Um, make every effort or do your best to add to your faith. I read whilst I was researching this that faith is the basis of the Christian life and all are expected to possess it, but out of it must grow other excellencies. So we all have faith uh, here today. If we, if we call Jesus our personal Lord and Saviour and we've made a commitment to him, then we have faith. We have faith, that, faith in Jesus. We, have, we believe that he died for us. Um, but we must, we must add to this faith to grow. And, you know, Rupert um, gave a brilliant uh, analogy of that with, with Peter Pan. If we want to grow up, we've got to add to our faith. Uh, just, just staying down there at the faith level is, is not what God's got for us. Um, right, so to add to our faith goodness. Lots of translations have this as virtue. The one, the one behind me says virtue, or some have it as moral excellence. Um, and then to goodness, knowledge, or understanding so I take this to mean that we should seek to improve and build upon our knowledge and understanding of God, remembering that we may participate in the divine nature, which is in verse 4. Um, and then, you know, I just refer back to my earlier comments and how important regular reading is of, of God's word. If we want to get to know God, if we want to develop that understanding and that uh, knowledge, um, then we've, we've, got to, we've got to get into his word. And that's how we... He speaks with primarily, and we've got to get a, a good grounding in that and know his, his word and what he says. Um, right, on to, on to verse 6. Um, so then we're adding to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. So verse 6, we have um, uh, three more attributes that we can add to our faith. First is uh, self-control. Um, self-control is listed as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that Paul gives us in Galatians 5, um, starting at verse 22. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as we get closer to Jesus, we will become more fruitful. We will have more love, more joy, peace, etc., and self-control. Um, so there's a bit of a theme developing here of getting close to, to Jesus, getting close to God. Um, and I loved uh, Ray's word before about God beckoning us to him. You know, I believe that God kind of stays still and we can, depending on what's going on with us, we can move away from him and we can get close to him. But, you know, God's saying, get close to me and come and see what I've got. Next on the list, we have perseverance. Uh, some translations have patience or steadfastness. Uh, steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. So we must stand firm in the world we are in. Um, stand firm against the attacks we will face from the devil. And stand firm in the face of temptation and many other things. Um, if we can't stand firm, then we're going to get knocked about, blown about um, by you know the world that we're in. The world that we're in is uh, is corrupted, um, sinful, and we've got to try and stand firm in God and in his, in his word. Um, and then the last one in this verse, we have godliness. Again, whilst I was researching this, I came across this line referring to godliness in this passage. A reverence for things divine shown by growing more and more into the divine likeness. So we're called to become more like Jesus, who is God. There are many verses that reference how we can, be, 
how we are called to be like Christ. And I just picked one from, from 1 John 2, verse 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So we're called to be like Jesus. And we must also make sure we have a reverence for God, remembering again we may participate in the divine nature. And lastly, um, verse 7. So, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So the last verse is 7, uh, which continues much in the same way as the previous two, uh, with mutual effectness, affection coming next. Uh, some translations have this as brotherly kindness or concern for others. Uh, another thing I read seems to indicate this was referring to fellow Christians, you know, the mutual or the brotherly. Um, and this is obviously true. The early church showed great examples of how to care for our brothers and sisters, often selling land and property and giving to others as they saw a need so that no one went without. As we read in Acts 2, verses 44 and 45, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Um, If you think the idea of just caring for one another um, is a bit exclusive, and a bit, well, we're just like people in church and we'll care for you if you're in the church. Um, the last thing uh, in this section that I'm looking at is love. And I think love encompasses everything, encompasses a lot of things. The three of our key priorities as Jubilee Church involve the word love. Uh, loving God, loving one another, and loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And I think these last two cover the last part, that is, is verse 7, quite, quite brilliantly. Loving one another would reference the brotherly kindness, the mutual affection, um, and loving those who don't know Jesus yet. So if we think that loving one another is a bit too inclusive, then loving those who don't know Jesus yet, that that covers everybody. Um, So yeah, uh, in conclusion, I'm not going to do too much of a a conclusion. As I know, James is going to wrap this up brilliantly. Um, Suffice to say, all these attributes that I've been talking about aren't in any order. It's not to say that we must have um, goodness and knowledge before we can have self-control it's just the way that they're, they're written um, and we don't have to have one of them boxed off before we can move on to the next one um, and I think this is something we should continually be seeking desiring and, and working on in our lives and that's it so if we're saved if it's nothing to do with us why bother pursuing that list why bother? Well, that's what I want to um, bring to you um, and uh, see if we can get to the bottom of that. What is, what is our motivation here? Um, and this section is, is all about the application of it. Um, it was a book written to believers, okay? So it's, it's written directly to us. It's very, very applicable. Um, but in verse 10, you'll notice he pauses and he says, therefore, my brothers, it's, it's a stop. You've seen all this that that I've written about. Now, what do we do with it? Because something important is coming up here. Um, I want to start by focusing on the the last verse of our passage, um, verse 11, where it says, um, For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I mean, that hasn't cleared anything up at all, really. Um, It seems that some people will get a richer welcome into heaven. 
A man I know very, very well says that we'll be surprised who, who we see in heaven. Some won't be there who we thought would be, and some will be there who we thought couldn't have made it at all. By the skin of their teeth, he uses as a phrase, okay? Now, I don't have any skin on my teeth, um, so they, they made it um, just. Now, I want to talk about two ships. I've completely stolen this, um, but I'm not going to apologize about it. I want you to imagine a harbor, a port, and I want you to imagine everyone's waiting for some boats to come in. And the first boat that comes in is, um, is not looking very good at all. In fact, it's not coming in. It's run aground. Um, there are no sails left at all. Okay? The sails have pretty much disintegrated. They've had to chuck some cargo overboard because it's sinking. In fact, they've chucked a lot of the crew overboard as well. I'm going to really make it dramatic here. This boat has not made it very well. It's going to get there because the port will probably send out a tugboat and drag it into that port. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that boat. I want this triumphal entry that Peter's talking about here at the end of this passage. Um, in verse 9, you'll see that um, some people, okay, some people that do not have them, okay, um, do not have these qualities that were listed. Um, that, that word there is, is without work. They haven't even pursued going after this list of qualities, okay? They haven't put in any work. Maybe they've got um, lethargic about it or even sat back and thought, isn't God great? He's saved me. The end. Now, it's not the end, Okay. And I've just killed this, I think. There you go. Um, Now, Peter included this bit in here because there were some false teachers. You'll see them in chapter 2. These false teachers had none of the qualities listed. The people that they preached to, the people that they talked to, had none of these qualities listed either. Okay, And Peter used it as a rock-solid indictment against them. They were not saved. Okay? They were not saved. They, they probably wouldn't even make it into the harbor. He says that they're short-sighted. And the Greek word here is literally like a closing of the eyes. If you ever go and get your eyes tested, they ask you to read that impossible bottom line. Okay? It's not even like that. It's like you're sat in the chair with your eyes shut, not even interested. Okay? So it's quite dramatic, really. This is, a, this is a person who sees themselves as part of the Christian community. They, they might sit there and they might even take part in some of the things that go on. But they do not know the truth. Okay? They don't know the truth that God has forgiven them of all their sins. And so it hasn't driven their kind of pursuing of those um, Christian qualities that we've had um, preached to us earlier. And there's a word there uh, as well that they've forgotten. And it's literally, it's literally that it's because of their neglect, okay? It's not an involuntary, oh, I've forgotten. They have neglected their Christian walk. Spurgeon says, what Christian ever wishes to be barren or unfruitful? Is it not the aspiration of every branch in the true vine, that's us, to bring forth much fruit? Last week, John spoke about fruit and the seed that landed in the right place. And that fruit that we can bring forward is really important in God's kingdom. So there's another type of ship then that I want you to imagine. 
coming into this harbour. Um, the sails are billowing. It's tearing along. There's some fantastic wake behind it or in front of it. It's Derby. We're not nautical. There's lots of waves, okay? There's lots of waves. And um, everyone is, um, is triumphant. And it's fantastic to see this boat come back because, you know what, there is tons of fruit, tons of treasure in that ship. Everyone is happy about it. I want to be that ship. I want to have that welcome. So how do we do that? Well, verse 10, if you have a look behind me, verse 10 is the pivotal moment of this whole chapter, okay? The thing that Peter stopped and went, hang on, let's make sure of this. Um, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Your calling and election, I believe it is one of the most comforting and powerful doctrines in the whole of the Bible that even before I was born, God loved me. And not only that, before the creation of the world, God had as a plan to send Jesus to die for my sins to make me right with God. I was elected, I was chosen before time began to have a calling. And I was called, and I couldn't resist that. And there are many people in front of me here that couldn't resist that. You became Christians, okay? Now, if we make that sure, everything is going to be a lot easier. If we have an understanding that God loved us before time began and we were called, it's going to be a lot easier. You will never fall be translated as offend or stumble. It means kind of um, if I was to trip you up as you were walking past the PA desk, okay? Or if there was a rock in the way. The Bible says that these stumbling blocks will be removed if you have this assurance about your calling and your election. God will keep you. Peter, the person who wrote this, denied Jesus multiple times. He met Jesus. He saw all the amazing things that Jesus did. He still denied him. Did he fall ultimately? um, Was he banished from the kingdom of God because of that? No. And actually, you'll see from this, as was said, it's it's his last words, okay? To be able to write something like this in the knowledge that he was going to die, I think you'll agree, is very, very powerful. How could he do that? He was confident about his election, Okay. Now, we can be sure of our, our election, we can be sure of our calling if we pursue, if we are actively pursuing these virtues. If you sit there and you close your eyes and you don't want to read the chart, if you just neglect it, I'm sorry, but you have to question where you stand with God. And I sat there at my desk and I read that list and I thought, wow, that's a big list. I'm not sure I do all that all the time or any of it a lot of the time. It's pretty tough. Now, then I turned to my favorite passage and it fixed everything for me. Here we go. Everyone can guess what it is. Romans 8. I want it to be as legendary as Graham's appreciation for Acts 2. Um, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that's me, it's a lot of you 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been set free. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, i.e. I was selfish about it, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Here we go. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I live according to the Spirit. I'm going for that. And it will make it a lot easier for me to go for those list of Christian virtues. I've got three things that I want to challenge you with today. Are you a Christian, first of all? I I hope from my enthusiasm and what has been said before about belonging that it really shows how wonderful it is. Are you a Christian? Is your calling an election sure? Are you sure that you will have an entry into that port? If you are a Christian, I hope that you want to be that that boat, you know, flying into port with its sails full and uh, all that all that treasure and that fruit. Um, we need to remember that we will have to give an account for ourselves on that final day. Let's not neglect going for what's in this passage. Let's really go for it. There was that song that we sang, Death is beaten, it had, it is finishing it, heaven beckons me. It's beckoning us. Let's get ready, let's finish strong. Now a couple of people have asked me, will you do an appeal? And I said, I'd love to, but I hope what I say will mean that there isn't enough space here. I want to pray um, for myself. And and I'd love for you to to stand with me and and just join in in your head. Um, Because if you are a Christian here today, I think you'll be aligned with me. I I think you'll want what I want. I want to have these Christian virtues. I want to finish strong. I don't want to neglect anything. So I want to close by, by praying very, very selfishly for myself. But if you could join with me, that would be great. But also, if you're sat there and you're thinking, well, I, I'm not very sure about my calling and election. I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. Please, could you come and talk to any of the guys who have stood up here today? Any of the welcome team. And they will love to share with you their testimony about how great God is. Can we all stand, please, and we'll, we'll pray? Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your your wondrous grace. We thank you, Lord God, that before earth was even created, that, that you saved us. Lord, that me standing here, Lord, I, I know that you called me. Lord, that I am one of your children, that I will be with you for eternity, Lord. Lord, I pray that I will be able to, in your spirit, to pursue those Christian qualities, Lord, those qualities that will make me more and more like Jesus. And Lord, when I, when I enter the gates of heaven, that it will be 
with triumph, Lord, not that I've, I've struggled through life, not being sure about who I am, who I belong to, whether I'm called, Lord, but that I will be so much like you. Lord, this is only possible if you, you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, this is only possible if you help me. Thank you, Lord God, for everything that you give to us. Thank you that we've heard today that you give us everything that we need for your, our walk with you. Lord, I pray that anyone here that isn't sure that they're a Christian would talk to someone. Lord, that the witness of the people here in the church would be able to, um, to show them and to talk them through what they believe, Lord, that they believe in a wonderful Savior. We pray these things in your name, Lord, and, and I pray that these Christian virtues, these virtues listed would be more and more prevalent in this church. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.